What's up, gumbo listeners? Demetrius Malbro here with another data protection gumbo episode titled Kubernetes Data Protection 101. To drop these valuable gems, I brought Jagadish Maku on the show. And he is a technical director leading the data protection practice at Robin.io. And Jagadish played a key role in architecting the Robin platform enterprise storage stack that powers data protection, cloud mobility, the lifecycle management of databases, and data-intensive applications. And today, Gumbo listeners, Jagadish will be basically taking you through all things Kubernetes from an application workflow orchestration and automation perspective, the importance of knowing what containers are running and what storage each container needs and why snapshots, replication, backup, and data balancing are key to protecting your applications and so much more. When we get back from thanking our sponsors. Gumbo listeners, this episode is brought to you in part by Kasten. Kasten K10 is the market leader for Kubernetes data management. Are you running stateful applications in Kubernetes? Visit Kasten.io to learn more and download a forever free version at Kasten.io. That is K-A-S-T-E-N.io. How are you today, Jagadish? I'm good, thanks for asking. Uh, thanks, Dimitris, for having me in this podcast. I'm very glad to be here. Great, great. Glad to have you on the show. So, Jagadish, let's go ahead and dive into some questions. I have quite a few for you, and um, I think it's going to make for a very exciting show today. All right, so how is enterprise IT adapting to market demands over the last couple of years, in your opinion? Yeah, that's a good question, Dimitris. As you know, there is rapid digital transformation happening in the industry. Uh, The enterprises are running more and more applications. Typically, now we see hundreds and even thousands to cater to their customer needs. Uh, The data center is continuously evolving to run those applications. Uh, The data center, usually the on-premise data center silos, have given way to the hybrid cloud strategy. Hybrid cloud strategy, uh, on-premise data center is coupled with the public cloud uh, for agility that comes with the elasticity of the public cloud. Also, as uh, public clouds have matured in the last few years, more and more enterprises are embracing the public cloud uh, to run their workloads. Uh, The public clouds now are delivering uh, software as a service, as you know, Uh, the platform as a service, uh, the infrastructure as a service. Mm -hmm. So far, we have talked about uh, with respect to the infrastructure. And if you see with respect to the personnel, the teams are moving to more uh, DevOps model and CI-CD from the traditional model, right? Mm -hmm. The traditional model where the software development team and the operation teams are separate and uh, they used to have their own infrastructure resulted in uh, longer release cycles, right? Right. Um, the market is changing so rapidly that it requires a different approach uh, than the traditional model. Mm-hmm. The DevOps culture is more agile. Uh, it emphasizes on uh, continuous and incremental rapid delivery of software. It's more iterative in nature, right? The dev and ops team are co-responsible for the successful deployment. And uh, it is very different from the traditional teams where developers are incentivized for uh, 
uh, rapid delivery of the software and op teams are uh, incentivized for the stability of the operations. Mm -hmm. uh, and Robin, actually, we have seen customers using uh, private cloud and transitioning to the hybrid cloud. Some workloads are uh, entirely on the public cloud. Whatever the infrastructure is, the deployment, the monitoring, the lifecycle management of the operations and the services should have a uh, unified interface. Well, wow, okay. So you, you mentioned a little bit about the CI/CD pipeline and, and DevOps, and I guess how everything is moving toward infrastructure as code. So um, I, I definitely see that as well on my end, Jagadish. And um, something else I want to know is, I guess, how are applications modernized to, I guess, this evolving infrastructure that you speak of? Yeah, true. So to take advantage of this shifting trend, right, the applications also need to be modernized. Uh, the, basically to this evolving infrastructure, right? Uh, applications used to be monolithic in nature before. Now they are modernized to cloud native. Uh, and uh, almost all new applications which are starting uh, developed, uh, developing now are uh, basically developed as designed as a cloud native applications. Let's talk about the differences between a monolithic application and the cloud native, why we should, uh, uh, why there are benefits with cloud native. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, uh, the monolithic app has a tight coupling with this, uh, with this underlying infrastructure it runs. And it's something which is built as one large system and deployed all at once. So it, it has less flexibility. Um, but whereas a cloud native application, on the other hand, is an approach to basically building and running the applications. All right. In contrast with the monolithic app, the cloud native application is uh, made up of of multiple microservices, each providing a particular business functionality. And uh, they communicate with each other. These microservices communicate with each other through well-defined APIs, and they can be independently deployed, and they can be independently upgraded, and they can be scaled, restarted, migrated. Uh, migrated. So the, the key thing is the microservice can be independently uh, handled. and each microservice uh, is implemented as one or more containers. Mm -hmm. A container is nothing but a lightweight process that uh, runs a unit of code and is uh, packaged with all its dependencies. Uh, now we have seen what are the monolithic and uh, cloud native, right? So what are right. the benefits in the cloud native? They bring in a lot of benefits like automation and uh, right sizing of an app, basically. Mm -hmm. So before we talk about uh, the right sizing of an app, uh, we should talk about the scaling, right? right? Application scaling is inherent in uh, cloud native app. And it gives the ops team flexibility to scale after the deployment based on your uh, key performance indicators. So if you have an ability to scale after it is deployed, then you won't be over allocating the resources uh, it may not even use. So this results in uh, better utilization of resources, uh, resulting in uh, better ROI. And also the cloud native applications uh, abstracts out the underlying OS and infrastructure, and uh, the dev teams will focus on the business logic. So uh, the Robin basically provides uh, data management capabilities to the cloud native applications. Uh, Robin software in itself is cloud native, uh, and hence reaps all the benefits we just discussed. Okay, so I just want to make sure the listeners are clear. So what, what's the difference in a monolithic application and a cloud-native application, just, just to clear that up? So 
the monolithic applications are uh, the applications we have run right. Usually they'll be run as a single uh, <laughs> binary and or a couple of binaries very mm -hmm. tightly integrated. And uh, if you have to upgrade, you have to upgrade the whole uh, software. And they have very tightly coupling with the OS. Right? For example, the software can run for uh, uh, this particular version and things like that, right? Okay. So, right. Whereas the cloud native is basically made up of multiple uh, microservices, or you can see that it's kind of the whole business logic or the functionality is broken down into multiple pieces. And each one uh, might be basically having a different team developing it. And also, which means that they can independently upgrade, uh, they can independently scale, and uh, and they coordinate each other, uh, giving the business functionality. Basically. Okay, all right, that that's that's definitely clear now. So you you mentioned cloud native applications. So how are cloud native applications being run? Uh, yeah, most of your listeners would have heard or already using Kubernetes. Okay, and uh, yes, Kubernetes has uh, become the de facto container orchestration platform for uh, running the cloud native applications. Yes, yes. Uh, now it is the forefront leader. There's no denying it. And uh, it's the fastest uh, grown open source project. Mm. It is It is just a uh, talk more about Kubernetes, right? It's like an opinionated framework that has uh, all the essential features like auto-scheduling, you have the self-feeling capabilities, then you can automatically roll, uh, roll out and you can do rollbacks and also has road balancing and many more actually. So it can run on on-premise servers, virtual machines, clouds. And uh, uh, this is, we also have a managed Kubernetes service provided by all the cloud providers like Amazon Elastic Kubernetes service. Okay the Google Kubernetes engine and uh, Azure Kubernetes service, right? So in managed Kubernetes service, applications are run directly on the Kubernetes cluster that is managed by the cloud provider. So there is not, not even a need to manage the Kubernetes uh, cluster itself. So as you can see, there are many options available to run the cloud native applications based on the needs of the customer. Mm -hmm. In the basically, that's one of the reasons Robin uh, can run on any of these platforms and uh, provide the data management capabilities and uh, lifecycle management of these applications. Uh, just to add to this, in the early years of uh, Kubernetes, mm -hmm. the only stateful up, uh, stateless applications were run on it. Um, but now both the stateless and the stateful applications are being run uh, increasingly. Uh, the stateful applications are also adopting the Kubernetes. Okay. So, so once again, you, you've mentioned, uh, I, I want to make sure the listeners are clear once again, because even though Kubernetes is hot, uh, I think some people in the backup industry may or may not be as familiar uh, with Kubernetes. So I guess what are stateful and stateless applications and how are they deployed as cloud native applications? And, and can you give me some examples for our listeners? Sure. So state, uh, stateless applications are apps that do not save any uh, current state. Uh, when they come up, they don't uh, read any state or depend on any state uh, to function. Typically, they are your Nginx servers, Node.js, and uh, uh, any logic, any only compute-only uh, logic applications, right? Okay. Whereas uh, the stateful applications are the ones that save data and its state, 
and uh, all the databases we know of right uh, fall into uh, stateful applications category for example all all sql databases like uh, mysql postgres oracle and also the nosql uh, databases like uh, mongodb cassandra couchbase okay and also we have the big data applications like hadoop elk are all considered uh, stateful applications right and okay all applications uh, that were just mentioned come with very uh, varying requirements uh, in terms of deployment and life cycle uh, let's take an example of uh, mysql uh, it needs uh, uh, this mysql application needs compute storage and network connectivity mm-hmm. for clients to connect to uh, l- let's look at the storage part of it so it will have a data volume and a log volume uh, and as you know the data volume and log volume each has their own different access pattern right log volume uh, needs low latency and uh, ssd would be uh, good uh, for log volume and data volume has a different characteristics right than the log volume also um, it would be better to allocate these volumes on different disks uh, and let's let's go to the next step and see once you provision how do we protect data right when one of the disks fails right yeah uh, it would require the uh, some kind of data copy elsewhere uh, to basically withstand the disk failure which means that it would need a volume replication um so if there is a data copy then there are more questions right we need to have a way to specify what the fault domain is yeah or uh, one copy should be from one rack and another copy should be a different rack which means that it can withstand a rack failure right mm-hmm. uh so the fault domain ranges from a disk uh, and then a node a rack or a data center right? so most of this compute storage network specifications uh, can be expressed in a uh yaml spec file and right. def- uh, the default kubernetes schedule scheduler uh, will schedule them but with distributed and data heavy applications like uh, mongo cassandra hadoop right mm-hmm. you you need a different kind of scheduler to take care of all the placement requirements and constraints uh on the top of kubernetes uh, scheduler so that's one of the reasons uh, robin architecture has an overlay scheduler to the mm-hmm. default scheduler to take care of all the app uh, data redundancy and the uh, performance requirements of this uh, applications and if you think we're even close to being finished dropping data protection knowledge gumbo listeners we have a lot of surprises in store for you as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsor Did you know that legacy VM-based data management products cannot protect your containerized applications from accidental or malicious data loss? Learn this and more from Kasten K10, the market-leading Kubernetes data management platform trusted by the largest number of Fortune 500 customers. And if you're not familiar with Kasten, they are an expert in all things data management for Kubernetes. And I interviewed the CEO and co-founder Niraj Tolia for Season 3, Episode 1 of Data Protection Gumbo, and I learned that Kasten Kasten's K10 is a scalable, secure, and easy-to-use product that will enable you to deliver a self-service platform to your users and operators. And whether on-premises or in the public cloud, in just a matter of minutes. Visit Kasten.io today to download a forever free version of K10 with no feature restrictions and no sign-up required. Check out K10 today at Kasten.io. That's K-A-S-T-E-N dot I-O. 
to Jagadish, we're back in. And before the break, you were schooling Gumbo listeners on how cloud-native applications are being run with Kubernetes and the differences in stateful and stateless applications. So for the rest of this episode, let's get into some of the challenges with moving an application from on-premise to the cloud or one cloud to another. Okay, great. I appreciate you elaborating on um, the storage provisioning of some of the distributed databases. Can can you uh, also tell me? I guess what what are the challenges with you know moving an application from on premise to to the cloud or from one cloud to another? Kubernetes platform itself uh, running on all uh, uh, cloud uh, platforms and uh, uh, having this managed services becomes a foundation for application portability. As I said before, it's an open-ended framework, right? So to deploy an application, uh, you need to basically write your application in terms of uh, uh, the Kubernetes object so that you can understand uh, on how to schedule mm-hmm. and how to provision the resources, right? Uh, having said that, there are challenges to moving databases and uh, data-heavy applications from one cloud to another cloud. Right. Every Cloud has its own method of uh, automation, the deployment, and the storage media, each having its own uh, performance characteristics. It, it, every, every cloud uh, gives uh, different types of uh, options to use storage. Okay. And also, moving an application would mean that uh, moving the application config and uh, its data together. Uh, we have seen before that an application which has volumes uh, people uh, basically uh, the teams used to move the volume data, but here we need to basically move uh, both the application configuration and data together uh, to make it very seamless. For example, right, uh, the the application specification should remain the same, and uh, the underlying resources can change. The underlying infrastructure can change. The whole that is the whole point of portability, right? right? For example, if placement requirements. Um, the IOPS, the bandwidth requirements are set for the application storage volumes. Mm-hmm. They should automatically translate to appropriate uh, provisioning of drives from the cloud. Uh, all of this should be possible with a single click or an API call. So the application movement itself uh, uh, should handle all the variations of private clouds and uh, public clouds and still meet the application requirements. All right. Coming to the application data moment, there are multiple ways to address this challenge. Um, one solution would be to take an application uh, backup to the object store in a cloud mm-hmm. and instantiate that app uh, using that backup. And another solution would be to transfer the app and its data directly to the uh, target cloud without the need for a backup. Okay. So any apps that need data protection uh, would always configure a snapshot schedule, uh, which means that you will have multiple snapshots, right? Uh, snapshots are actually used in many uh, use cases, like in case of any user errors, you can always revert back to a last good snapshot. Okay. So yeah. when such kind of apps are moved, right, the snapshots are also how to be moved to the target cluster. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some challenges with application portability in the context of data protection also, but uh, it has to be seamless in terms of saying that there is just one click and one API call 
to just move an entire application even it is a distributed application like cassandra or mongodb mm-hmm. uh from one cloud to another cloud uh so there are more challenges so right. there is uh when if a, if an application has uh, a large data sets it takes time to move to the uh, different cloud mm-hmm. and so basically and every typically every enterprise has uh, hundreds of applications running so they need to evaluate in terms of what are their potential cost savings see moving uh, to a different cloud adds value in the form of uh, market differentiation and ev- evaluate let's see if it if it uh, helps in terms of performance right so once you categorize uh, based on your uh, opportunity versus a risk mm-hmm. then you can uh, select it uh, select and then move it to the a different cloud also one one last thing i want to uh, say is uh, some applications uh, have have to be on premise they they have some uh, legal and regulatory rules uh, right yeah saying that they have to stay in the on premise and sometimes mm-hmm. they said they cannot move from one uh, region uh, public cloud in one region to another uh, region uh, so these are all the things we have to see and then uh take care when uh, we are moving the application from one cloud to another okay well that that was a lot i'm i'm sure people are going to have to probably re- rewind and listen to that one again um but i guess more specifically to the way that that robin does it so what is i guess robin's application automation platform and its approach to application data protection uh portability and also backups yeah so robin platform architecture is a uh, uh, container based it's a pure software solution that sits between application and the infrastructure it's run on the top of any uh, existing kubernetes cluster mm-hmm. another option it ships with uh, upstream kubernetes and uh, what it does it, it enables enterprises to deploy uh and manage the complex data and network in, uh, intensive applications with as a service uh, experience uh, anywhere in a private or a public cloud so e- even to provide that kind of app store functionality for uh, uh, complex applications uh to we took a app centric approach from the very beginning so everything is centered around application uh mm-hmm. when you are provisioning compute when you're provisioning memory storage and network right every io that starts from the app is tracked all the way to a particular drive and carries application identity with it okay so so that you can uh, tune the qos you can tune the network everything basically according to the application uh, characteristics right and also application requirements mm-hmm. so to do so basically what we did was uh, we we have we have an application aware distributed storage stack that can support uh, app level uh, uh, snapshots which may, which translates to uh, cons- consistent volume groups right and uh, instant clones you should be able to clone your application uh, for quick testing or running some uh, queries on it right and also the most importantly you need uh, application backups any enterprise application needs application backups and we have a replication mm-hmm. and uh, we we can set the qos levels and we have encryption and compression so all, these are all the features we have in our distributed storage stack and uh, 
what we provide is a one click deployment and one click lifecycle operations all at the application level mm -hmm. and we have the workflow automation that fully understands what the infrastructure topology is and what are what is application topology and basically map the application requirements to the infrastructure so that is one of the reason uh, we have a advanced scheduler and kubernetes mm -hmm. that is uh, numaware understands huge pages it understands the cpu pinning and then all the affinity rules and anti affinity rules so for complex stateful application just to summarize okay. uh, for complex stateful applications like distributed database it provides a single click on api call to take application consistent snapshots one click to take a backup of an entire application and one click to move an app from one cloud to another uh, all this is possible because the robin software components are all uh, application aware okay so i guess the secret sauce is being application aware then yeah correct <laughs> all right well i appreciate that uh, let's let's roll into the final gumbo closing question here jagadish um, if you had a crystal ball what does the future of data protection look like for you? Uh, well, there is uh, more and more data getting generated by users and uh, IoT devices, uh, as you can see, right? Uh, with 5G, this is going to be uh, increasing even further with uh, mm. faster speeds and uh, yes. better connectivity. All the IoT devices will be generating so much data and the users uh, are generating a lo lot of high-resolution data and uh, because of 5G is going to increase even further and the magnitude to which we like we have never seen before uh, yeah. big tech companies like uh, Google Amazon and Microsoft are already dealing with the very large-scale data they have large data right yeah right and they they build their own computing platform storage and automation so in the future what I see is that whatever the big tech companies had in terms of computing storage tools mm -hmm. will be available to the small and medium enterprises in terms of software also in terms of infrastructure and infrastructure will come in the form of the public clouds and they will be available to all the enterprises at their disposal and uh, kubernetes is a very good example of that and yeah. uh, enterprises will focus on applications uh, that have their business logic and uh, and then they'll find innovative ways to differentiate in their business logic instead of worrying about the underlying infrastructure uh, there will be more public cloud adoption and uh, new workloads will be entirely having the cloud first strategy mm -hmm. uh, which means that they are entirely written in as a cloud native and then uh, they'll be uh, uh, running on the public clouds, the data protection, the management of these applications, uh, whether they are running on a public clouds or, or private cloud, will all be managed with a single pane of glass. Basically, uh, the data protection and everything uh, will be simplified a lot with the adoption of uh, the private clouds and public clouds. Yeah, that's um, th that's a nice prediction, and you know, definitely, I've seen backup and, and recovery and data protection uh, grow more and more simple. Uh, it started out really, really complex when I when I started about 20 years ago, 
um, actually dealing with uh, you know physical servers and physical tape libraries and tape drives, etc. So uh, we are definitely headed in a, in a direction in the future where um, physical things are actually disappearing and it's it's relying more on on the virtual side of the house. So. Jagadish, thank you so much for appearing on Data Protection Gumbo, and I truly appreciate it, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. I love reading your reviews on Apple Podcasts, so please keep them coming. And every review that you leave helps. So please also join our LinkedIn group, Backup and Recovery Professionals, and also check out our website at dataprotectiongumbo.com. So have a great week and see you next time.